It's time for the Hammer Down Show with Jared Jesselitis. Oh, yes. And what was that beginning, middle, and end part again? Streaming online at 1017thehammer.com. All right, sounds good. Let's do this. lunchtime i talked to him and then the news hits and part of the conversation is almost in void but that's okay we're still gonna uh run that interview for you uh like i said it's coming up here in about uh, 15 minutes or so let's start like we always do with need to know news here's your need to know news yeah speaking of that pacers news it's a little it's not like huge huge but the nuggets are going to trade their 2024 first round pick and this year's 40th pick to the Pacers for number 29 and number 32 tomorrow. Woj bomb. Well, okay. Both Chicago baseball teams took home W's last night. The Sox were at home on the south side hosting a very good Rangers team. Things go their way. 7-6 the final. Andrews and Jimenez both homer. Both went two for four at the plate, combining for the five of the team's RBIs. Dylan Cease with a solid six innings, five hits, two earned runs, nine strikeouts. He does not get the W again, though. Poor guy, man. Keeps on turning in good efforts. He can't get the W. That makes five games in a row with a no decision for Cease. It's been almost a full month since he was last given a win. Rubber match tonight, 8-10. Kopech versus the lefty, Perez. What is being talked about uh, is uh, this morning was the manner in which the White Sox won that game. The winning, the winning run comes from Andrus, who slides headfirst into home, looked to be out, but replay reviews it says the catcher blocked the plate. Even Stone and Benetti were like, uh, don't know about that one, but thank you. They'll take it. The Sox win. The Cubs last night, eh, they get a uh, another W over my, I, can I call them my beloved Pittsburgh Pirates anymore? They're just, I told you this was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen, even though Pirac's a Pittsburgh guy, and he asked me about it, and I said, you know that train is never late. So pretty easy. They went 4-0 last night. Pirates have been shut out in three of their last four games. Ian Happ remains a pirate killer. Two for four and a run. Marcus Stroman, seven innings, struck out five. Tockman remains hot. Uh, he homered, now has hits in eight of his last ten, extends his RBI streak to four straight games. And even Tucker Barnhart got his first homer of the year. There you go. Game three was early today. Kyle Hendricks versus Rich Hill. It's now 8-3. to three going into the top of the ninth with the Cubs having the lead. Nico Horner, two for five with three RBIs, a home run, two runs scored. Uh, Seiya Suzuki's hitting in the two-hole here today, one for two. Ian Happ, pirate killer, 
far down the list here, he is hitting what's this? One, two, three, four, sitting fifth. Two for four with uh, two RBIs and a run scored today as well. Yeah, he's got a double. Uh, Horner's actually tripled and homered here. Pretty darn good. They'll win this game, and then they'll uh, jet off to foggy London town to take on the uh, Cardinals for two this weekend. ESPN announced Zach Eady, one of four collegiate athletes nominated for the ES, or for the ESPY, for the best male college athlete. That'll be on ABC at the Dolby Theater in Los Angeles on Wednesday, July 12th, 8 p.m. Uh, Edie is joined by Creighton men's soccer player Duncan McGuire, Duke men's lacrosse player Brennan O'Neill, and USC quarterback and Heisman Trophy winner Caleb Williams. Uh, those are the four you have to choose from. So when the voting is open, we'll make sure to flood that poll. Hey, Purdue added a second receiver to its 2024 class with a commitment on Tuesday night from Shamar Rigby. He was on campus over the weekend for an official. He's 6'5", 170, out of Lakewood High School in St. Pete. Had other offers from Duke, South Florida, Kentucky, and Minnesota, amongst others. That's now the 10th commitment in the class of 2024. And with that, folks, I give you your need-to-know news. All right, tonight, let's see what we can put together in terms of a winner for us here. We're looking at some picks. Of course, uh, I like to use DraftKings for my odds and everything here, too. Um, they've got some great promotions, including a no-sweat Wednesday for you. Just make sure you read everything and you opt in before you do stuff. Okay. Um, tonight, and this is a little bit tough here because we've got a lot of day baseball. I think half the slate is basically day games. But one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I mean, we got seven games already going or wrapping up. And then we got another one coming in here at what? Four o'clock with the cards in Washington. Whoosh. Cubs already off the board, so we got to find something here. I would like to go tonight. To the south side, Kopech is on the mound, taking on the lefty Perez. And the White Sox have some guys that have been traditionally good against lefties, even though this year um, their dominance against left-handed pitching has waned a bit. But there's still some guys that uh, I like in this one here this evening. Uh, I'm going to go, listen. Luis Robert, you pick your poison here tonight. This dude smashes lefties. 59 plate appearances against lefties this season. He's hitting 392 with five homers. 392! He's slugging 804. You can get him on a home run tonight for just four plus 400. I mean, I feel like if you're looking for a home run and a sprinkle, that is about as good as you're going to get. Wind blowing north, northeast, 10 miles an hour, so basically left to right, blowing a bit out to that right field. So you got that. So I dug in his numbers a little bit more. By the way, he's minus 110 on over 
one and a half total bases, which is probably my favorite. I don't like the minus 165 on the hit runs RBIs. And 28 plate appearances at home this year versus lefties. He's 11 for 23, two homers. That's 478 he's hitting. Seven of those 11 hits are extra base hits as well. He's slugging at home against lefties this season, an astonishing 957. He's hitting 600 lifetime against Perez. I don't know how many more good indicators we can get on Luis Robert tonight. But I got to think there's some real value there on him plus 400 to hit a home run. I don't think Berger's a bad play either. Not He doesn't line up as good as Luis does. But he's two for three for a, in a home or lifetime against Perez. He's hitting lefties 250 with five homers at home. He hits lefties 296, and he's got three of those homers at home and 30 plate appearances. So really, you're looking at both those guys at extra bases here tonight. That's not a bad play for you. But I think I like I, I like Luis a lot this evening. A lot. 478 at home against left-handers. 478! And seven of those 11 hits are extra bases, too. So that really helps out our over one and a half total bases there. Uh, I'll go ahead and make that that play, but I wouldn't hate if he had a free $5 to put on a home run. That ain't a bad place to go put it. Burger's not bad either, like I said. I That dude's been, been running a little hot, too, hasn't he? And if you want to take Berger tonight, the home run, what's he going off at? Plus 340? I mean, that's not bad either. But for me, I think I'd rather have Luis. So that's what I'm going to go tonight. I'll take Luis over one and a half total bases. I'll also sprinkle a little bit on a home run there. I just love the slugging numbers. I love what he's been doing against left-handed pitching. Is it sustainable? I don't know. But darn it, that's a lot of good signs, isn't it? So that's what I dug up today. I love that. I I think Kopech's Kopech's been pretty good lately, too. You might want to go ahead and just go ahead and take them for the win as well. Might pile that on a little bit. That's a coin flip game. I can see that. I can see that, but I, I I would probably take the White Sox. Look what Kopech's done the last. He's three games this month, and his ERA is 165. Right, his ERA was up there in the fours and fives, but that was from a rough May, April. Sorry, May he lowered it almost every game, and he's done the same thing here in June. He's given up three earned runs in his last three. Shut out Miami. He's going deep in the games, too. What, he's thrown over 100 pitches in four of his last five. 
He's gone over 90 in his last, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games. So he's not getting pulled here either. But three shutouts in his last uh, five, uh, last six. Remember, he was a liability early. He was getting rocked for homers early. A lot of that had to do with his first start in San Francisco lit him up for five. But still, he's been better. So that's the play. I'm on Luis Robert tonight. All right, we're going to take a break. Dustin Dopierax is going to join us next. I talked to him a little earlier today. Before the news of this uh, trade for um, a couple of the later picks for the Pacers. But still, great info that you want to hear. It's coming up next. It's the Hammer Down Show. Welcome back. It is the Hammer Down Show on 101.7 The Hammer and 101.7 TheHammer.com. With the uh, NBA draft imminent, we bring in Dustin Dopierak. Uh, from the Indy Star, our favorite down there at the Indy. I'm being biased here. You are my favorite down there at the Indy Star. I appreciate it. Uh, it says, Take that, Doyle. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's the interconnection. You know that. Yes, that's, that's you know, ninety. That's ninety-five percent of it. Absolutely, uh, Yins love it. Uh, all right, so here we are. The Pacers are going to come in at seven. Uh, a lot of rumors here of what they could do. It doesn't seem like that they were super thrilled with the prospects at seven. Are, are they going to get out of that spot? Are they trying to get out of that spot, Dustin? I mean, I'm sure they are. I'm sure they're making every call and every discussion. I, I don't think they view it as a desperate situation that they have to not pick at seven. Um, I, I think they view it as a valuable pick. I think that they're going to have options that fit that, that their needs. But um, I think, you know, two things. First off, I do think, you know, Kevin Pritchard basically told us that he views this, this as sort of the third tier uh, of prospects. You know, he, and he sort of said, okay, Victor Wimanyama is by himself. He wasn't using names, but he was pretty clear of who he was talking about when we talked to him after the lottery. And then he said there's probably a second tier where there's really, you know, probably two guys. And it almost assuredly means Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller. So if you think Brandon Miller is that much of a higher level of player, and obviously they need a wing more than they need a point guard or a lead guard, um, then it, it certainly makes sense to find out, okay, what would it take to move up a tier? Um, but basically all the accounting, everything that we've seen about, uh, you know, from reporting about what Portland's looking for or, or what offers they may have received, uh, seems that the, the price is really, really high. And it just doesn't seem like, uh, you know, the Pacers don't even have the chips to compete in that, uh, more or less, because I think they have to view sort of Tyrese Halliburton and, and Benedict Matherin as off the table. Uh, and the Blazers want somebody who is going to put them in championship contention, they can put next to Damian Lillard, um, and so even if they even if they were willing to offer Miles Turner, and I think that would be a stretch. Um, that I don't I don't think that gets it done for Portland. So I, I'm sure they've they've made those calls at least to find out hey what's what's it going to take what's the cost here, uh, and I would presume that by now they found out that the cost is too high. Um, but it does seem like you've seen a bunch of rumors out there that they're, they're interested in you know more established wings. I mean they need a bigger wing, they need wings that can. They can play defense, defend multiple positions, you know, guys that are capable of taking on guards and bigs if they find them in switches. Uh, and you saw uh, some, some names connected to them. OG Ananobi, obviously, was a really interesting one. Uh, DeAndre Hunter from Atlanta. It's also to, Tobias, Harris, Tobias Harris and Dorian Finney-Smith. So, you know, wouldn't be surprised if they trade out of that pick entirely. Uh, that might be the more likely scenario uh, than them actually trading up to get somebody else. But they, they could still make that pick, and, and I don't think they would – uh, be upset to do it. There are several guys I think that they could fit their needs at seven. Dustin, you and uh, Doyle also had another. Uh, you guys have your little podcast there, which uh, I got a chance to start listening to. But 
Um, he he didn't want to go the safe way here, and he threw out a name, and I'm, I'm, I just find it so ridiculous to go after Zion Williamson and try to insert him onto this team. I'm just I'm shaking my head. That that's not a real possibility, right? Please talk me off the ledge. That's not happening, right? No, it's not. Such a terrible idea. I'm going to be interested to see the logic there. I mean, I I just can't see it on on either scale. I mean, I I don't know who. Uh, I mean, it, you know, it probably makes sense for the you know long term health of Zion Williamson to get him out of New Orleans for I guess a number of reasons because there's at least one storyline that I'm blatantly not following and I won't even bring up. <laughs> I don't blame you. Um, I'm I'm actively avoiding that, so I don't want to act like I know anything about that because I'm trying not to know anything about it. It's just there's yeah, I'm just I'm staying away from that entirely. But it seems like. It, it, what little I know about it seems like a reason to get out of touch. Um, but anyway, point of the matter. I, I mean, I, I just there's I, I yeah I I don't see how I don't see how that fits in any way, shape, or form. I mean, I, I can't imagine New Orleans would move him for anything that the Pacers willing to move. Um, you know, Miles Turner in the seventh pick doesn't do it. Miles Turner in the seventh pick and Buddy Heel doesn't do it. I mean, I, I like if you're New Orleans, I mean, that's still. You know, for all the trouble he's gone through, you know, I mean, he's still a guy that if he's healthy, you know, has a chance to be an all-star, you know, generational player, you know, if, if it all comes together. Obviously, it might not because he's catching all these bad breaks. You know, his, his body, you know, it, it, it's a lot for, for that to, to make sense. I just can't see New Orleans making the move. And so if you're talking about moving and if you're the Pacers, you roll the dice of it, of, of it not working at all. Um, and so you've got some solid pieces that, you know, again, like I'm not moving Miles Turner for him just because I'm not taking that risk. But if I'm New Orleans, I'm not doing it for Miles Turner. And again, even a couple more pieces isn't enough for me if I'm New Orleans. I mean, I still want to see this work. It's like if you're New Orleans, like you, you just got to find out. You know, you, you got to run that through and see if you know the Ingram Williamson connection comes together and you have a playoff team. You know, there's like I, I just I just wouldn't be willing to you know just give up on that quite yet if I'm them. And and, and again, the, the the asking price would be so very very high. You know, if they're, it, it does seem like they're, you know, interested in at least calling Charlotte about moving up and trying to get Scoot Henderson. And, and I don't think, again, I think Scoot's just way more attractive uh, for them than anything the Pacers we were willing to give up. That's just not a move I see happening. And we're talking with Dustin Dopierak from the Indy Star here, Pacers beat writer on the Hammerhead Hotline with the uh, draft coming up here. Pacers picking at seven. So if you are going to visualize what what is a reasonable win for the Pacers with that draft pick uh what do you how, how do you envision how do you envision Indy coming away winners uh, on draft night here is it uh, you trade that pick out and you get one of those free one of those other uh, established wings that you're talking about here since you don't think it's you know being able to trade up in that top three where you really want to is, is feasible is it going out and getting that? Is it staying put there, getting um, you know what you think is the best available guy for you, or is it simply just kind of trading back and maybe kicking the can down the road a little bit? I mean, I wouldn't trade back. That, that's kind of the one thing I wouldn't do unless I'm getting other assets with it. I'm, I'm not trading back just to do it. I'm not trading back for more picks. I mean, I think the thing is they've got five draft picks, and Pritchard has been very clear about saying, you know, I don't want all of those guys uh, because. They've already got, you know, God, I think it's nine players under the age of 24 on that roster, um, you know, somewhere in that range. So it's like, he is, as he put it, when we talked him way back in January, he said that you bring in too many young players and they can cannibalize themselves just by, by the fact that you're trying to develop them both at the same time. They're cutting into each other's playing time. 
you know, you don't get to really focus on developing them. Um, and so if you bring in that many guys, you just really run the risk of, and, and you don't even have space for them. So they got to make some moves, um, you know, especially, as, but I think, you know, I mean, obviously you, you can take a big swing and move the seventh pick, um, but you better get something from it. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think, again, just sort of dropping back and maybe getting uh, somebody else's, I don't know, second rounder, that doesn't make any sense. Um, I, I think there are good there are good picks at seven. Um, but you've probably got to move the bottom ones and see if you can move up. I mean, I think, uh, I think a really good win, a, a feasible win, would be, you know, you move up, you, you trade the, those bottom three picks, they're not the bottom three, 26, 29, 32, and maybe move up to 17, 18, and you end up getting two uh, first-round picks in the top 20, I think. Then you have a, a, a lot more chance of both of those guys uh, being rotation guys and, and, you know, the seventh pick being the starter in the not-too-distant future. Uh, and I think that really kind of helps your core to go, get, go a long way with that. And that's really feasible. Again, like I, I think if there's a... If there's a you know, high-level wing that they like, that they can get. I, I think that's worth doing um, because I do think you want to accelerate the process here a little bit. I mean, I don't think they need to go take big swing risks here and try to act like they need to win a championship in 2023-24. But I do think this team's, you know, um, long-term timeline has accelerated a little bit, um, you know, basically by the fact that they're, they're playing better uh, than they would have expected. They've identified, you know, a real superstar in Tyrese Halliburton. Um, and I think they can go after somebody who's going to be ready to play, ready to start, ready to make a significant impact immediately rather than a couple years' worth of development. But I do think the guys that are going to be on the board of seven are good. Um, I think that's worth saying. I think there's, it's really, you know, I think there are four guys that they would want, and two of them will be on the board, just mathematically, two of them will be on the board. And that's between Jarris Walker, Taylor Hendricks, uh, Ostar Thompson, and Cam Whitmore. Uh, I think those four guys are all interested in them. And, you know, I think obviously a big piece is who's Detroit going to take. I mean, there's rumors that Cam Whitmore's following. It's following. It seemed like Whitmore was the piston target for a while. It might be Jairus Walker now, who might be sort of the best sort of fit by need uh, the Pacers have. So he might be off the board. Uh, Thompson might be off the board. You know, certainly it, it seemed like because he skipped a workout with the Pacers that maybe he's got a promise from somebody in the top six. Um, but there's talent there. There's two big wings, it, really talented wings that can get their own shot, Whitmore and Thompson two really defensive-minded power forwards in, in uh, Walker and Hendricks, and considering that's what they really need is they need a power forward and they need defense, uh, those guys are pretty good fits, and, and you know, everybody sort of raves about who they are. They're not necessarily all-star caliber players, but they're going to be really, really, really good role players, starter quality role players for a long, long time. Um, so I think I don't think they lose by making the seventh pick. Uh, I think they can win there, and I think, again, if, if they can move up those, you know, 26, 29, 32, get somewhere in the 17, 18, 19 range, get somebody else they feel really good about that, then I think that's a really good draft for them. Uh, you've, you were talking about uh, earlier before we came on the air, you, you've watched so many of these uh, uh, player workouts and stuff here. Has anybody stood out those workouts? Anybody feel like, wow, that could actually be a good value for where people project that guy at? Uh, anything stand out from what you saw in workouts? Yeah, I mean, we didn't get to see the actual workouts. We got to talk to them after, basically. They let us in the door as soon as they finished doing actual work. Um, but just getting a sense of, you know, look, looking at the, how some of these guys did at the Combine, you know, what their sort of, you know, profile is, talking to them a little bit. I mean, because you do, uh, especially, you know, toward the end of that first round, I mean, chemistry really matters, and their ability to fit in uh, is really important. Because, I mean, if you're, if you're a late first-round pick, you're not coming in and changing anybody's culture. You have to fit into somebody's culture and just getting a sense of, okay, who are these guys like? Are they high basketball IQ guys? Are they high general IQ guys? Are they going to get along in, a, in what's a pretty good locker room? 
uh, that the Pacers have as far as just guys that get along and stuff. Uh, there, there are a lot of interesting players to me. I think uh, Olivier Maxence Prosper from, from Marquette was one guy who really stood out. He had a phenomenal combine, uh, did really good both in the scrimmages and in testing, You know, had some of the highest verticals. He's got a, a really ridiculous wingspan. So it's one of those things where just getting to see these guys up close uh, and look at them, you're like, well, whoa, okay, all right, I get it now. Um, and they, they need guys like him. He's a really good defender. He was a guy who keeps somebody, a smaller guy in front of him because he's getting, again, he can just stick his arms out there and, and he's taking up a lot of space. So he's a guy that stood out to me. I think Ryan Rupert, uh, Ryan Rupert, I guess, I don't know how you say his name, but he's French, uh, and uh, was playing in New Zealand this year, uh, is, again, a really long arm to win, but I think uh, they're going to have some interest in it. I think that's really going to be, there are a number of those guys. Uh, you know, Andre Jackson's another one. Uh, Jaime Jaquez, although I think he might go a little bit higher uh, from UCLA. They, there was really they, they brought in a lot of the same type of guy, and a lot of guys that were about six five, six six, six seven. You know, somewhere between the two and the four uh, that could they could defend. Um, and I think that's mostly what they need. They they need to improve on defense. They need to get some guys who can really guard somebody one on one and be able to move around and cross match and and everything to to make some matchups work out. And they brought in a bunch of those guys. And so I, I imagine just that is going to be the focus once they get past seven. Is you know with it with as many picks as they're going to make, take as many players like that uh, as they can afford to bring in. Last question I'll ask for you here, Dustin. I know the uh, the Pacers have themselves a decent little tradition there of uh, IU superstars ending up on the team, and I know there's two uh, in the draft. I, I don't know what the possibilities are of the Pacers getting a hold of one of those guys, but uh, can you see any scenario where um, you know Trace Jackson Davis or Jalen Hood Chavino uh, finds themselves in blue and gold? Uh, I don't see it with Jalen Huchifino, and but I but I think Jalen Huchifino is going to find himself in a really good situation. Um, I think he's really been going up on draft boards. I mean, I think he's really he, he might be the, one of the most NBA ready. He might be the most NBA ready point guard coming out of college. Uh, you know, obviously some of the other highly rated point guards at the top are coming out from somewhere other than college. You know, Scoot Henderson obviously being Duke, the guy named Thompson out of overtime elite. But uh, you know, Huchifino, I mean, he's just got the NBA body. Uh, you know, I, I think he proved he's pretty good at making decisions. He's good at slowing the game down. Got that really good mid-range shooting game. Uh, I think he's going to be able to, to slot in with somebody pretty easily. You're seeing him cr- climb up draft boards. I think even um, starting to see him as high as, as ninth to Utah. And you know, the Pacers obviously have their lead guard in Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, they don't need to be making a, a top twenty using a top twenty pick on a point guard, uh, but a lot of other teams do. Um, so Utah would be a good fit at nine. Um, I, I'm trying to think of who other ones I've seen. Uh, Toronto with 13 would be a good pick, especially if they're going to move on from Fred, Fred Van Vliet. Uh, I've seen Atlanta connected to him, Miami connected to him, and that might be a step up for them uh, at point guard. Uh, they could use somebody to play off of Jimmy Butler. You know, just maybe yeah, can can compete with Gabe Vincent there for a little while. Um, so I think I think Coach Avino is going to be in really good shape. I think he's going to be a top 20 pick, and, and I, he's going to go way too early for the Pacers to have interest considering their positional needs. It's not out of the question that Jackson Davis uh, could go, but I, I mean, I think he's pretty safely going to go in the top 40. Um, and I have seen him mocked to the Pacers in several places. My issue with that is, you know, I, I think he ultimately projects as a backup center. And I mean, I think he could do that for a while, and I, I don't mean that as sort of an insult, but the Pacers already have some backup centers, and they had an issue getting them playing time last year. You know, Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson, you know, that, that was the situation of young guys taking minutes away from each other uh, because they were both playing behind Miles Turner. Smith got moved from the four to the five, and, you know, it, you know, each of those guys had stretches where they had several DNPs in a row. Do you need to add Jackson Davis to that? I mean, I, I don't know that that's good for anybody. Um, 
And so that that's the thing. I think he's better off with somebody who's got a more immediate need there. Um, I think he can be productive. I think he can do a lot of good work in the league. But I think, you know, you're going and you're going to be splitting hairs between him, Smith, and Jackson. He'll have some things he's better than. He's probably the best all-around player of that group. But Smith's probably the better shooter and probably still a better rebounder at that level because he's a little bit longer than Jackson Davis is. And uh, Isaiah Jackson's just a better athlete. and He's just a phenomenal leaper, um, you know, guy who finishes lobs, protect the rim, and stuff like that. Jackson Davis can do that pretty well. Jackson does it at, the, at a higher level. So, you know, you're ultimately going to be splitting hairs as to who you want when. And it, I think, might would slow down the, uh, you know, the development for all three guys. So I think he'd be better off uh, going someplace else. He is Dustin Apirak of the Indie Star, our favorite Indie Star sports writer, uh, bar none. Uh, we love him and uh, exciting stuff as the uh, NBA draft Thursday night. Buddy, hey, great insight on all that stuff. Got a lot of questions answered. I know you're a busy man. Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. And the hammer.com. I am Jared Jess. Light. As you always reach out on the text line at 765 447 4080. Always love. Uh, hearing from our hammerheads. And I told you, too, uh, we'd had that talk right before uh, the Nuggets decided to trade next year's first-round pick and the 40th pick this year to the Pacers for 29-32. and 32. Interesting stuff. Also, a little bit of more breaking news here. Drew Anthrop, former Boilermaker, you know that name, uh, is going to join Frank Vogel's staff in Phoenix after four seasons with the Lakers as the head video coordinator and player development coach. So say the Suns. But I have not seen what his new official title is yet. This is just uh, Dave McMenamin uh, from ESPN tweeting it out. So, uh, yeah, that just, uh, that little nugget came out here like 15 minutes ago. So there you go. Congratulations to Drew. All right. Uh, well, we're doing a lot of NBA talk today, which is a little shocking for me, but hey, it is what it is. Uh, I love this story here about a 21-year-old law student who has just played basketball recreationally, right? Just done some rec league stuff. He will be attending this year's NBA draft as he is draft eligible. How does that happen, do you ask? Well, first off, he did some lawyering. Shouldn't be a surprise. But he read it. He read the rules. So they went through the collective bargaining agreement. There are a few conditions in the contract that you have to meet. I had to be four years out of high school. I waived my NCAA eligibility. There's a bunch of small little things that I ended up meeting. And I sent over an email to the NBA. They sent back the paperwork right away. He discovered that he met the criteria to be draft eligible because he was at least 19 years old and graduated from a four-year university in the U.S. in the year the draft is being held. So he's really he's going to attend the draft with other players. It's kind of funny, really. He's not going to get drafted by any means. But honestly, uh, I'm, I'm kind of impressed. I'm sure the NBA is going to change that. There's going to end up being some kind of fee so this kind of stuff doesn't happen anymore. But kudos to the kid for gaming the system, right? 
Finally, uh, a lawyer that didn't ruin something. Shout out to my sister, a lawyer, probably listening right now. But I, I thought this was, I, I just saw this little story here, and I just kind of, I kind of shook my head because in a world where, you know, the younger kids do a lot for the Instagrams and the TikToks and all that stuff, this is at least creative. I'm surprised just how easy it is. Now, part of me just kind of wonders that, you know, you never thought you'd go to the NBA, so you're not going to go into the draft, and, like, nobody ever bothered to look at the rules, because I'm a little surprised that this hasn't happened before. Like, I feel like we should have heard about this at one point, right? Somebody along the lines could have been like, hey, I just want to get in the NBA draft as a joke and see what kind of perks I get out of it. Maybe get to freely attend the uh, the draft. I'm a little shocked that somebody else hasn't figured it out before now. But yes, I end up talking way more NBA today than I was initially prepared for. It does start tomorrow evening. Spurs 1, Hornets 2, Trailblazers 3, Houston at 4, Detroit 5, Orlando at 6, your Pacers uh, at 7. Chicago has no picks. Save themselves a trip. No picks. I think somebody else, I can't remember if it's somebody else that doesn't have a pick. Or um, one team just has like, I think it's Milwaukee. Milwaukee gets like the last pick in the second round and that's it. They literally have the last pick. You're showing up for that. The Knicks don't have a pick. That was the other team. 76ers don't have a pick either? Oh boy, they're in trouble. But I'm a little, I am a little bit shocked. It just, the, the draft, the draft doesn't move, the NBA draft doesn't move the needle as much for most teams, I think. Not, certainly not the way we're used to when we watch the NFL draft, which is, you know, the most popular one. Major League Baseball is a completely different animal. You know, the NHL draft, you can get stars of tomorrow, but they're probably not coming in and starting on your team. Rarely are you able to go and get anybody outside a first rounder having a great shot to join your team right off the bat. And the NBA is kind of that way. You heard Dustin talk about it, that there's a couple of tiers. And by the time you get to seven, you're already talking a third-tier player. So if you're in the back half of that first round, what are you doing, you know? It's just not the same. And it's kind of weird like that. But that's the game. 
We're going to take one more break. We'll come back. Things we may have missed and more as we wrap up the Hammer Down Show on 1017. The Hammer and 1017. Welcome back. It is the Hammer Down Show on 1017, the Hammer 1017, the Hammer.com. Uh, coming up tomorrow, we're going to double dip on the uh, interviews. Uh, Tom Deanhart, goldenblack.com. We're talk a little bit about some of the exciting stuff that's been happening in recruiting over there for football. And then uh, new softball coach for Purdue, Maggie Frizzotti, is going to be on with us as well. That's what we got scheduled for tomorrow. You'll love to see it. All right, time for some of the things that we may have missed. I was sent a tweet here. Maybe this is, am I looking at last year's? I'm thinking I'm looking at last year's. I am. Uh, Nick Kaufman, former Harrison golfer, former Purdue golfer, leading the Indiana amateur final round. Good for him. You love to see it. I have no idea where they're playing that at. I literally got this tweet like right before uh, we jumped back on the air here. So uh, I'm just passing that along. I'm hoping my information that I got there is uh, is accurate. Good to go. Uh, Slam Ball. You remember Slam Ball? So Slam Ball was that basketball on the trampolines. You used to see it on ESPN and stuff. Back in there, it was like on Spike or something. Anyway, they got a meteorite deal coming with ESPN. Financial terms were not disclosed. Slamball will receive a rights fee and handle production for the games. It'll be shown on ESPN, the Deuce, ESPN Plus during its 2023 and 2024 seasons. Play begins July 21st. I mean, if you're going to have... Three or no, two regular networks, ESPN News and then ESPN Plus. You got to fill it with something, right? Can we get Zach Eady and Slam Ball? What does that look like? <laughs> Stand on top of the rim or something. Oh, yeah, I want I want to, I would like to see Zach Eady play Slam Ball. Put me down for that. Good for them. I'll check it out. My experience is those things are never as good as you remember them being. Never. Also, um, I keep pulling for these guys in the, in the Titanic stuff. You know, I think what they were doing was ridiculous to begin with. I'm pulling for this. I, I heard that they heard some banging that hopefully they're going to be able to zero in on that. But I, I'm just taken back about this British billionaire's stepson. This guy went to a Blink-182 concert, I'm told, and he said, I know it's a little... He says, it might be distasteful being here, but my family would want me to be at the Blink-182 show as it's my favorite band. I don't know about that. Not sure what's going to happen to Dad. I'm just going to go to the Blink-182 show to cope. Not great. Now, on top of that, he's also shooting a shot with an OnlyFans model. I can't imagine, man. 
I guess my point is, if you're going to be a billionaire, is it really worth it to be a billionaire if you're going to go, if that's the way you're, I just, the whole thing just seemed ridiculous. I don't know, like an hour, two hours to get down to this thing to see it. You're seeing the exact, you're going to see it through like a little tiny window. You see then they're controlling it with like an off-brand like PlayStation controller. None of this makes any sense. Maybe you should have spent, maybe maybe it's time better spent with your kid. I don't know. I, I hope they find him. I hope everything turns out okay. There's just so much of this is just bizarre to me. I just don't get it. Look, we're going to wrap it up here uh, tomorrow. Maggie Rosati, Purdue Softball's new coach. Tom Deanhart, goldenblack.com. I'll see you back here on the Hammer Down Show on 101.9.